Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the most British song I've ever heard in my life. A Promise by Echo and the Bunnymen from their 1981 album Heaven Up Here. It's also number 463 out of 500 on the 500. What's up, everybody? I am your host with the most eaten toast. I'm trying not to boast. Josh Adam Myers, and thank you for tuning in to the only podcast where we're going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. So I hope you guys paid for your Spotify so you can listen to the records. Uh, I have to tell you guys something. It hurts me to say this, but this is the last show for two weeks. Here's the reason. I can't tell you, but it's really good. And I have every single one of you to thank, whether you were there from episode one or, which was actually 500, by the way, so, you know, because we're doing it like, it's like Memento. Or if you joined via the gateway drug that is Bill Burr talking about White Stripes or Wanda Sykes or Burt Kreischer or Jim Jeffries or Jay Moore or, or, or Baron Vaughn. Whatever the reason is, I don't care how you got here, but if you clicked play and subscribe and gave us a fucking review on iTunes saying fuck the 500 five stars and a huge shout out to, to Ryan Sickler and Jay Larson from the Crab Feast. And if you were there from the Crab Feast, whatever it is, whichever way you supported the 500 and Josh Adam Myers, thank you. I do have something to announce. I can't do it yet, but we will be back July 31st. That's two weeks, and we're going to be showing up with a brand new episode live from Montreal with some very exciting news. So as always... Listen to it for free on Spotify or whatever ways you get your podcast. It will be back in two weekies, okay? Thank you, and thank you. I love you guys. And if I saw one of your Instagram stories about the 500, thank you as well. I want you guys to take a screenshot of the way you're listening to the podcast and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and put a hashtag the 500 podcast and then post it on your Instagram stories and give me a 24-hour ad because I want people to know that this shit exists. Well, they're going to find out very soon, so which is dope. 
All right. July 25th, like I just mentioned, guys, we're having our live 500 at the Just for Laughs Festival. If you're in Canada and close to Montreal and you want to come, it's going to be great. We got a huge guest. I am so excited. Love that festival, and I love doing it live. Uh, Hopefully you listened to last week's, which was the Moon Tower one, and you saw how dope it could be. July 17th. Guess what happened today, everybody? In 1967, legendary jazz saxophonist John Coltrane dies of liver cancer at the Huntington Hospital in Long Island. He was only 40. Uh, Dude, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, saxophone player of all time. If you haven't heard Giant Steps or A Love Supreme, they are masterpieces and they should be in your collection. Okay? Uh, I love jazz so much. I cannot wait until we get to Kind of Blue because I'm just going to have all these bar mitzvah and wedding DJing stories to talk about. We've got time, though, okay? Before we get into the record, a little bit about it. Echo and the Bunnymen were formed in Liverpool, England in 1978. Similarly to their post-punk contemporaries, The Cure and Joy Division, the band took the youthful energy and dissatisfaction of punk added some groove and backbeat, and conceptualized dark gothic and existential themes. That motherfuckers, they singing about Camus? They singing about Camus? They singing about Nietzsche? Beyond good and evil, love spoke Zarathustra. But unlike some of the other bands of that era with a bleak version of what life looked like, Echo and the Bunnymen seemed to find some redeeming hope in light. Now, if you are a casual fan of this band and you know some of the hits like Bring On the Dancing Horses or like Lips Like Sugar or any of those, congratulations, Fleece Army. None of those are on this record. Instead, Heaven Up Here took the themes and tones I mentioned and crafted a solid collection of moody, psychedelic, and sonically powerful songs that became the foundation on which to build those hits. And I can assure you that this record gets better with repeated listenings. I hit about 22. It was on 22 times. That's how many times I listened to it. So I feel like I am a masterclass in the Echo and the Bunnymen. My guest this week is such an incredibly cool fucking person, a hysterical comedian and incredible podcaster. You know her from her incredibly successful podcast, Guys We Fucked. Ladies and gentlemen, Christina Hutchinson. She was not a huge fan of Echo and the Bunnyman, and she was in town, and I was like, I feel like you'd like this. And I sent it to her, and we dug in and got down and dirty on the podcast tip. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast, guys, where we spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Echo. Also, rate, review, and subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and email this podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. For all things five, honey, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, you know what time it is. Here we go with number 463 out of 500 with Heaven Up Here by Echo and the Bunnymen.
Christina Hutchinson. Christina Hutchinson. Christina that's a hard one to, to figure out which one to sing you into. This is not an album of, of like catchy choruses at all. Um, that was beautiful. The vibrato was great. So so you're you're a, a passive fan of Echo and the Bunny, right? Yes. Because when I reached out to you, like, tell me about your history with this band. I mean, it's not much. I think I I, I love the era. The Smiths, I fucking love. Like and every, when I, everybody loves the Smiths, but right. me. But oh, really? but they they had similar sound. I thought they had a similar sound. I, I completely agree with that. Um, but I like Echo and the Bunnymen more now that I know. Then now that I've dove into them, I never listen to albums front to back like you're supposed to. Really? And I did with this album, and it was very enjoyable. So so then what what do you usually listen to? Like what is you said some Brit pop, but like give me like throughout your life, who are the big influences? Honestly, the uh, Nirvana. I fucking love. I love yeah. all their unplugged. I mean, my, my music taste is pretty basic bitch. I love neutral milk hotel. <laughs> um, basic bitch music yeah. on serious 97. Yeah. Um, I love just, neutral milk hotel. It's just nonstop. <laughs> give me a heart. Real, <laughs> forget about it. And then Mariah Carey. Um, no. <laughs> I listen to that a oh, lot. Every, in this yeah, that's that's basic bitch music. Uh, a little bit, Mariah. Perhaps not, but I'm maybe I'm being too self-deprecating. But yeah, I'm in a weird headspace. But um, <laughs> but I think Neutral Milk Hotel is one of my favorite bands. LCD Sound System, uh, uh, fucking uh, Fleet Foxes, I love. Um, Colleen Green. Is Never a great heard artist. of Colleen Green. But. Yeah, a lot of people haven't. She's just a newer artist that I fucking love. Anna Wise, another one of those kind of similar ilk. Um, fucking Deep Valley, I love. Um, I'm trying to be all cool now and say things that you probably don't no, know. No, I like, I like that. It's like, but I do love these artists. There, there's, there's something about like, like listening to pop music and then there's also something about digging in and finding those artists and albums. Like I always refer to this guy, Brandon Butler. Nobody knows who he is. He's a DC musician. He made two of my favorite records mm. that I've ever heard. Shit. And so it's it's like, and I try to get his name out as best as I can. Um, completely different than what we are listening to this week. Yes. So let's dive into this. Our album is number 463 out of 500. It's the sophomore album Heaven Up Here by Echo and the Bunnymen, released on May 30th, 1981, produced by Hugh Jones and Echo and the Bunnymen. And I feel like I'm calling him, it's Bunny Man, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like I'm making him Jewish. It's like, oh, you mean uh, Bunnymen. Oh, no, it is Bunnymen. You're right. It's Bunnymen. It is Bunnymen. Multiple yeah. multiple Bunnymen. Yeah, but I'm, I'm giving it like a very like, you know, Semitic flair to it. Oh, yeah. you know, the, the Bunnymen's, the great people. They live down the street. We're going over there for Purim. Um, <laughs> so what did you think of this record? Though? I loved it. It came at a great time. I'm glad you assigned this one to me because I feel like this guy's real tortured inside yeah. as though I feel this current moment um or for the past couple months but i i like i love an emotional man yeah i love oh god and this was that and somebody who was just like wailing his feelings out into the to the mic with his lyrics i love the lyrics there's a lot of song i mean i i took specific notes good I don't know that's if you so get... no 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 We're, we'll get into the songs yeah. But so overall, was this kind of what you were expecting from Echo? Because I listen when you say Echo and the Bunny Man, 
Uh, I was like expecting it to. I was expecting to be like that British, like oh, uh, oh, we're doing stuff. Yeah. Then we're living on the edge of town. Uh, oh, I was, <laughs> that's what I was like expecting. This was kind of that, but I was except. I was expecting it to be far happier. It was darker than I thought. Way darker Thank than God. I was expecting. Yeah. So what? You were in the mood for this? Yes, I was. I'm. I'm kicking a pill addiction, uh, and yeah, when you, one does that. You realize, you, oh, feelings are going to pop up that you've been, you know, suppressing with the pills, yeah. Adderall specifically. And uh, and so I very feely, and I usually am very feely anyway, even on Adderall. Yeah. Uh, but just feelings are popping up, and I'm letting them flow in and out of me. But this was a really great, this was great because I've been driving around a lot because I'm not drinking right now. Yeah. And, uh, and I've been, it's like I, I want so desperately to be seen, but then I don't. I'm driving a red Corvette. And I'm blasting music. I'm the windows are down, and I'm just blasting music. But I've been blasting this album. <laughs> You're blasting this. I, I want. Yeah. People are like, like Jesus Christ. I think, I think the girls from Guys We Fucked is suicidal. God. <laughs> that's nice Damn. In the car with that's her. a nice car though. That's yeah. a really nice car. And that's <laughs> like just take off. Um, I'm I'm not gonna say I I wasn't expecting it to be like I thought it was gonna be very British, and it was. Um, but I it wasn't as whimsical. Exactly. That's a perfect to word to die use. by your side. Yeah, da, 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 da. because because you mentioned the Smiths. Mm-hmm. The Smiths are whimsical. Yes, they're they're very you know the guy with the thorn in his like they, yeah. they're very like like it's so it, it's it's still kind of whiny um, to a point. I don't want to call, it, but this this was just had a far whereas the whereas the Smiths lyrics um, are what really makes the music dark. Mm-hmm. This everything about it had like a dark cloud over it. I think the Smiths are like, if I make a comparison, the Smiths would threaten suicide, but never mean it. But like Echo and the Bunnymen with this album would actually mean it. A hundred percent. Oh, a hundred percent. They wouldn't dangle that carrot in front of you. They would just do it. They probably wouldn't tell anybody. Um, so I, I did enjoy this. Yeah. I did enjoy this record. It took a little bit for me to really get into it. But then once it clicked, I was like, okay. And I've danced to a bunch of the songs that we're going to get into. Uh, so before we begin the record review, uh, here's journalist author Mark Cooper describing Ian McCullough's lyrics. Uh, he's quoted saying, The one constant in Mac's lyrics is a sense of betrayal, of a broken promise, of the disappointment that comes from seeing humans betray their potential over and over. Mac dreams of things being right, of finding life as he dreams it might be, only to find it wrong. Wow. Ian himself said, I suppose the songs are always about the possibility of something great and then and then the breakdown of trust or the breaking up of possibilities. Mm. Uh, and after listening to this, I, I can kind of agree with that. I mean, I started listening to some of the, the hit songs from Echo and the Bunny Man, mm-hmm. but but like like I said, uh, I can hear all the influences. I hear you too. Um, a lot of this reminded me of Gang of Four. I don't know if you've been following along with the podcast, then you definitely know who Gang of Four is. Um, but overall, it, it's for me, it's like I'm not depressed right now or dealing with a lot. So it's like it didn't get me in the mood that it got you. Mm-hmm. So I can completely understand. I, I'm, I'm so happy that I had you listen to this. Like, me too. Like 100%. All right, let's dive into the record. Okay. All right, first song, it opens with Show of Strength. Okay, on this, like many others on the record, the pounding drums sound almost tribal. And you want to, like, I want to point out that the drummer, Pete DeFreitas, was only 19 when he played on this record. Shit. Yeah, they're young guys. 
Uh, right off the bat, like I said, you can hear you too. I heard Simple Minds. Um, here, Peter, play 58 seconds in. One hundred percent. I hear the edge, the edge from U 2s guitar with the with the way that he's like clashing on it. Um, it's a hundred percent British, hundred percent British. Just the whining, everything. But even though like other songs in this record, the lyrics are a bit vague. This song appears to be about infidelity and dishonesty in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, here's sample lyrics: Bonds will break and fade, a snapping all into the lies that bind and tie come sailing out of you. I listened to that song and I was like, mm, someone's been fucked over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on board. According to Ian, it's about trying to be honest with yourself, even though you know you're a dishonest turd. It's about somebody obvious and it's about me. Mostly it concerns people who pretend they've got guts and passion when they have it, when they try to get it from someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your experiences on either side of infidelity? Both. I've been all of the things. You have? Yes. My first relationship I was cheated on. 15. Well, I was 16 when I found out about it. Cried in the street, in the rain, in the middle of the street. Very dramatic. Um, and then two boyfriends later I was cheated on. Um, I've cheated on the the middle boyfriend in between the cheated. Uh, I slept with somebody, but I told him I made out with somebody. I called him the next day. He was a famous person, so I was like, oh, maybe it's not as okay. Um, but I said I made out with this person. Wait, the guy they hooked up with was famous? Yes. Okay, well, that's all right. Um, right? I'm like, no, no, count. <laughs> but when I told... I mean, it was this... Gilbert Gottfried, but I mean... <laughs> Josh, I told you it was the one thing I didn't want to talk bad. about. I'm sorry about that. Um, so, so when I told my boyfriend at the time, I, like, I told him I made or I hooked up, which to me didn't mean sex. And I told him who the person was. He's like, really? Sick. I'm like, oh, okay, this relationship isn't going anywhere. Really? Like, he was... <laughs> He's he a fan was, of this he person. Wasn't, he wasn't... You know what's funny? But that he didn't you, think I fucked him, so... Yeah, I guess making out, but all right, I, I totally, in my lane with that, same situation. I was dating this girl, and we had broken up. It seemed like we were going to get back together, and then her friend convinced her to go on holiday with Edgar Wright. Whoa. Do you know who Edgar Wright is? The, the actor? No, the director oh. of Shaun of the Dead. Ooh. He directed, uh, what was the one that was uh, Baby Driver? Oh, Jesus. That was a great movie. And uh, she ended up fucking him on the trip. She said she wasn't gonna, but she fucked him. But you weren't together, but you were gonna get back together. We, were, we were still, I don't know. That in between? We were in the in between. Where you could give each we, other shit. Yeah, and but that was the thing that I was like, out of all the people you could have fucked, like, I can't. Like, I love this guy's movies, man. Like, I can't, like, I can't How watch was it. his dick? But, I mean, I, he took her to Big Sur. Wow. He gave her, like, a whole weekend. He rolled out the red carpet. He really did. And, you know, I mean, was you, was was the guy, like, you know, on that level or bigger? Um, Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I would say. In the, in the TV. TV realm. TV realm. SNL alum. Do you usually, I mean, like, does that turn you on if somebody yes. is very successful? Yes. Oh, yeah, because to me that means you saw you saw something, you wanted to get it, you got it, and you're crushing it. But, yeah, I think, I don't like loser guys. I don't like, but to me, a loser I defined as somebody's not living up to their potential or doesn't have any goals. Yeah. You know? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Um, my one boyfriend kind of long, long, long time ago kind of started down that losery path of like not really wanting to do anything with his life and I was like I can't I can't if you're not moving at a fast pace I'm out all right let's go into uh the second song on the record with a hip now uh do you have any thoughts on it do you want to hear it first what do you want to do hear it. Do you want to hear it all right here we're gonna play a minute and 20 seconds in This is definitely a head bobber. Yeah. It's it's more of the same of literally the last song, but this definitely made me get up and like dance with the dog in like a Charlie Brown hipster style. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's no secret that Ian McCullough and the band were huge fans of Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground uh, because you can hear it throughout not just this whole album, but especially in this song. And that part is probably my favorite part on the whole album because they're layering there's like you have Ian singing and then you have somebody else and they're laying over each other, yet it sounds like it's clashing mm. and one singing a little bit slower. Uh, do you have any thoughts? I like their bass lines. They're very on the prowl. I just imagine like a guy like just like creeping up on someone. But it's kind of pounding. It's like I, yeah. it's, it's got a very intense flair to it. Yeah, yeah. All right, sample lyrics because I this, this part is so great. With a hip, hip, hop and a flip, flip, flop, going to steal some bananas from the grocer's shop. <laughs> with your head in the clouds and your trousers undone, gonna shit on the carpet just like everyone. I mean, that's lyric gold. Yeah, like reading the re- hearing the lyrics just read. It's a, oh, it's a little whimsical, but with the music, it's not. Yeah, like, it's very dark. Just, I, just, I want to know who's shitting on the carpet. That's what Shit. I really want to know. Is this is this what the band? Is that what bands do? Shit probably, on the carpet. Probably this band. Apparently, this is about an overwhelming acid trip that Ian McCullough had taken. Now, he explained this later. It's about knowing your limitations. It's nothing to do with hipness, although I like the idea that people might think it is. I like when people analyze the words and get something out of them. That's a compliment. Now, you have a podcast that is hugely successful with our good friend Corinne Fisher mm-hmm. uh, called Guys We Fucked. And... Uh, it's very, it's not just hip, but it's open-minded. It's forward-thinking and, and talking about liberating experiences. Uh, you two have talked about so many subjects that could be considered taboo or uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. What, if any, limitations would you put on show topics? Uh, zero. The first, the, we went to the, we came to the table, meaning we started the podcast saying the one thing we didn't want to talk about was dick size. So it really started with you You guys wanted just to talk about 
The people that you fucked. To the people we fucked. Yes, exactly. We just wanted to have that conversation. Because when are you going to have that conversation? Like some of these people, I'm so glad we started this podcast for many reasons. But at first. You're driving a Corvette here. Like, that's true. For many for Yeah, many that's reasons. one of the reasons. But at, when we first started it, we didn't know anybody was going to listen. Because we yeah. truly didn't think anybody was going to listen. I'm like, honestly, if anything, this is really cool to have these conversations. Because I learned about things that I made assumptions over during the time we were either dating or hooking up or whatever it was that I, I, I that I got wrong and I think I learned I kind of pushed people away this one guy I, th- I swore I broke up with him or I swore he broke up with me and he came on the podcast he's like no you broke up with me and then I thought about it and I'm like I didn't think that I was worthy of him so I pushed him away Really? And then it broke up with them. I've yeah. done that a million times. Yeah. So what topics, like, won't you cover? There's nothing? There's nothing. We've covered pedophilia, rape all goddamn day. Yeah, um, you showed me that. You once showed me, like, a, an email that somebody had written to you. Because um, you get a lot of people that are, like, you know, they're explaining to you, and they want to tell you how much you've helped them mm-hmm. get through serious times. And I mean, the story was insane. Like, she was, like, raped by her family her, or her, her dad gave her two abortions with clothes hangers yeah she, by the time she was 10 is, is this one she was gang raped so. on her 10th yeah, birthday yeah, by I her dad and her it. friends yeah that's i mean uh-huh. that's just it's the, that's that's one of the most intense things i've ever read in my life yeah and that's when i started pulling back from the email <laughs> inbox because uh <laughs> my mental health uh, maybe slide into uh the suicide prevention hotline dms because... <laughs> she was at, that chick was actually like totally fine really like we we summarized the email on the podcast because i was like i don't want to read it because it was so she went into detail which you know i was honored that she felt comfortable sharing that but i didn't want to f- i didn't want to fuck up anybody else's day and we talked about just basically what she had said and she wrote us because she heard us summarize it and she goes just so you guys know I'm okay. Like I'm fine. I got a great job. I'm happy, and I'm like, fuck, man. I mean, that's that's that's, that's resilience. It's well, that's what you have to do. It's like yeah. you can't the 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 scars, you know, that you carry. Like they're scars, and you should be, you know, you should you know remember and and appreciate that because those are the things that got you to where you are. And hopefully, she's in a better place now. I I'd assume certainly anything is. would be better than the situation she yeah. was in. Yeah, she ran away and got then then was in foster care after that. Really? Yeah, that's how she escaped her, the the gang rape that was planned on her tenth birthday by her father and her father's friends. I mean, that's a that's a you know they could have just a gone grocery to, store. They could have just gone to McDonald's, had a birthday party there. I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the ball pit. Fucking losers. <laughs> All right, over the wall, uh, mm. Peter, play the chorus. Over the Wall is one of my favorite songs. I think a lot of his lyrics, uh, we were reading a quote from him earlier, people take different things from it. It's like a painting. Somebody looks at one painting and they see something exciting and whimsical and somebody else can look at that same painting and based off their life experiences, they see something terrifying. Sure. So Over the Wall, I really liked because I've said this in these words that I feel like with the drug addiction thing, I am over the wall. I'm over that hump um, of holding myself accountable and talking about it and telling my friends and it's way better on this side and then also too there's I thought of that uh this how I think of a relationship when you're dating somebody and you don't really know what it is yet and you're gonna have that conversation about what you guys are gonna do are yeah we, are we a couple are exactly. we gonna go further in my head I always think of like um let's go like take my hand and let's jump off the cliff or let's go over this wall because it's I feel like it's gonna be way better 
on that side of the wall. Um, so that's the other thing that made me the the lyrics made me think of. So, I like the song. A so lot. I, I like this one too. The music sounds uh, very squirrely. Uh huh. Uh, kind of desperate, but uh, with all the talk of monkeys on backs and slugs on neck and people in rooms talking about solution, make it sound like the thoughts of a drug addict in a rehab or like a patient in an insane asylum trying to escape. Mm. Now, you mentioned, you know, that you are, are dealing with something coming off of something right now. Yeah. You know, so this is this is your first issue with any substances or. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Like, how did that come about? Um, not wanting to feel feelings. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom was, is bipolar and I grew up uh, my, my household. I had to deal with a lot of adult emotions as a child, which fucked me up, which will fuck any child up. Sure. And I developed these defense mechanisms, um, so that I could survive, like hearing certain things and seeing certain things that I saw in my childhood were so scarring. My mom was on overly medicated and the medications made her do crazy things. I remember maybe when I was five years old, she was having a screaming fight with my brother, my older brother, and she threw a hammer at his head and he ducked. And he at your missed. brother? Like, yeah, wow. and I saw that. No one talked like about a, it. Like a, like a little, like, like a giant Like the hammer. one Andy Dufresne had and mm, fucking, like no. a big hammer. A, bi- okay. a hammer, a oh. carpenter's hammer. Um, and no one talked about it. My dad wasn't there, so he didn't know that I saw it. Um, and just, I had to, I had to somehow be okay after that. And so you develop these defense mechanisms. One of the defense mechanisms I developed was uh, not feeling. So when that happened, I would just distract myself and not even think about it ever again. But those feelings are still going to live in you and linger. So you never dealt with that. No, no. But I, then I discovered Adderall and there's uh, this show euphoria on HBO that I, we've talked about briefly. Yeah. I saw you post about it and I was like, is that good? Cause I look too old for that. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to be too old. You would for, love this show. For Zendaya show. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, it's a lot about, about drug addiction and I'm all in. Yeah. That's why I was like, you, I haven't watched Josh it yet, would but love this. <laughs> right now I'm trying to finish the last czars, oh, which wow. is about the Russian revolution and the Romanovs. Ooh, cute and light. Yeah, um, it's, it's very, ch- it's very chill. Yeah. Uh, it's taken me three weeks to mm. watch two, episodes because every time I put it on I fall asleep but I'll get to euphoria (laughs) and we'll talk about it yeah that's about drug addiction the Zendaya's character Rue said something that like a lot of things that are said in the show really hit too close but she's like when I found opioids basically uh I I found I was I found the feeling I've been searching for my whole life and so I realized the feeling that I've been searching for my whole life in quotes because it's not it doesn't do you any good is uh the ability to not feel feelings so Adderall was like a button that I could just press and I didn't have to do any work not to feel I just took the pill. And then my relationship of seven years with my ex, the last three years of that, I was so extremely unhappy. But instead of coming to terms with it and dealing with it, I would just pound Adderall and be fine with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what Adderall did. But I've never had a abuse problem. Not not drinking has not been that hard, luckily. Yeah, it's, you, it's not that hard for me to not drink. You had said you'd gotten into to like drugs later in life. Yeah, like Molly, it, we were talking about that. Yeah, well, so one of the things this past year, I went on an ecstasy bender, um, <laughs> where I was popping it every weekend um, for a couple months. And this guy that I was seeing, who's now like one of my really close friends, but he was coming off of a out of a relationship, and he was dealing with those feelings, and we were both in fucked up places, and. There's so there were so many nights where he, we would be at my house wasted and at 5 a.m. and he'd be like, "Do you want to do?" And I knew he meant ecstasy because he knew I had it. And I'm like, "Yes." I didn't even let him finish the sentence. And we would like do ecstasy at 5 a.m. Like, what the fuck? 
I mean, and have great sex. I mean, you know. Yeah, dude. It's it's like if you have somebody, ecstasy is fantastic if you have somebody to snuggle. You know, and it's just totally. the two of you guys, and you can maybe, right. maybe get some Vicks Vapor Rub, do a freeze down. Oh, shit. I used to do that. The freeze down is where you take the Vicks Vapor Rub inhaler, and then you, like, I'd put it in my mouth, but reverse, and then blow it into your eyes, and then do this, like, <laughs> this weird finger thing on your forehead. Whoa. And you do it to one person, and then everybody else, all the other etards see you, and they're like, oh, man, can you do that to me, too? And I'm like, come on. And next thing you know, you got a line of, like, 12 people. You should charge for that shit. Damn. Yeah, well, you know, they'd, they'd bump me up. They'd figure out a way to get me back. Maybe I'd get a pill from them or maybe, you know, some ketamine. Everybody knows I love ketamine. Or I loved, loved. But, <laughs> but what was it that got you to want to stop the Adderall? Like, uh, did something happen? Uh, accumulation of things. Uh, I've always known deep down. For, I, well, I've known deep down for the past two years that I need to stop. But I've, I've thought some thoughts that I had with myself have included, I guess I'm just going to do this till the day I die. Like, I'm never going to stop. Like, once I realized, oh, shit. I'm never going to stop this, I don't think. That was scary. Yeah. So I felt guilt basically the second I realized that until I quit, which was like two years. Um, and I was impatient with friends and family. And I don't like be acting like that at all. That's not who I am. And uh, I was less funny. I would interrupt people during interviews on the podcast. It was very embarrassing. It, it, it's, it definitely isn't as bad as I think it was in my head. But uh, yeah. And then... Um, this guy that I was seeing, uh, who I really like, um, I don't know. We just have like this crazy bond. It's very unique where we're very honest with each other about every little tiny thing. It's really cool. And, uh, he was, he's just very, he kind of like lets me break down like, and I'll like freak out a little bit, which I don't often do, but he doesn't care at all. And, and I've never felt comfortable doing that in front of somebody. And especially because I would usually get some sense of judgment like from that person, which is okay. Um, but he truly was like, that's who you are today. That's okay. Um, and so I ended up telling him and yeah, I don't know. I just, um, one of the things that Adderall would do is it would make me focus so much because that's what that drug does to you that I would focus on a guy way too much and like come in way too heavy, like way too intense and hard. And like, I really like you. you. Do you want to be my boyfriend? Yeah. You'd have mice and men him. You'd just be like, so pretty, pretty. And you strangle the Uh shit out of it. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm a cool chick when you get to know, but then when you go hard like that, no one fucking wants. I don't care if you're fucking Halle Berry. No one wants that. I used to Maybe if like you're Halle Berry. Yeah, no, I mean, it would be, if Halle Berry came after me, that would be fucking dope. Of course. I would, you know what? Uh, I'm, I sit here, it's, you know, and say that, that, that would scare me off. If it's the right girl, if it's the right girl coming at you right. hard and you're just in, cause you know, if you're in that mood, dude, I, there was one chick I dated that like literally within the first week she told me she loved me. And I was just like, well, I mean, I guess I can see myself loving her. So I love you too. And, oh, then, wow. and then I moved in and. And uh, we were together for three years, and now oh, she's nice. uh, and now she's married to Tommy Lee. So, oh, yeah, dude, that's hell yeah, nice dope. rock on. Well, I'm I'm really fucking proud of you that you got off the Adderall, man. It's, Thanks. It's a it's a hard decision when you, especially when you're you're dependent on it, and you have the means to get it as much as that's, you do. Yeah, so, and I, and I, just to because I don't want to, uh, you know fucking be fake, but like I'm I'm weaning off of it. So now I was taking up to seventy milligrams a day, and now it's twenty. Just keep going lower. Yeah, that's exactly lower. what I'm doing. I'm on you know, like week two, and then by next week I'll be off of it. I'm really excited. Good for you. I'm serious. Good for Thanks. you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, that goes into song four. It was a pleasure. Let's get it. 
I see what you're saying about the bass, man. The bass definitely is a power player in this band. Mm -hmm. I I love that part of the song so much. I love when everything drops out. It's just the drums and the bass after all those, you know, that angular guitar and just the, it's, this is, this is so Gang of Four. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Will Sargent's angular guitars and Les and Pete's rhythm section really showcase a lot of what the post-punk's ability to somehow create funk without soul because that's what they're doing Mm. like you could see red hot chili peppers taking a little bit from this band yeah uh and it's about getting all the bullshit out of the way during the first handshake so both parties are dealing with the real truth and can proceed accordingly Mm. uh ian admitted it was him protecting the band it was written because i thought we were going to get slagged it was like a pre-backlash thing uh, we know it's tough to be a female in this industry, right? Have you had to deal with unscrupulous business people? You know, uh, uh, certainly that. I don't think it's because I was a woman. I actually think it's uh, to one's advantage to be a woman in this industry because it's mostly not women. So that makes you unique right out of the gate. Um, I think the only time where, you know, uh, when you're starting out, if you're like a young chick, uh, some, sometimes you'll get booked on things by a guy who wants to fuck you. But I mean, who gives a shit? Doesn't like, mean you have to fuck him. It, well, you know what I mean? One, yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's true. But uh, also, I noticed that this is what happens when there's one chick on the lineup and she's not good. A lot of times, she's booked prematurely for the show uh, because the guy wants to fuck her. So, uh, but but the, in terms of the pace at which you grow, it's the same. Yeah. Um, I like being a woman in a mostly male industry. I fucking love it. I think it's great. I just like being anything that makes me unique is uh, is a a in my book. You know, a hundred percent. But we've gotten offered things uh, by television networks, um, <clears throat> Lifetime, and where we got offered like a straight to series thing, and then we're like, really, we only had a general with you. That was the last time we spoke months ago. Even our agents were like, yeah, I don't. They want okay, and um, and because people want the effect of the podcast they love and they want to gravitate towards. But then when we actually start working together, they're like, you can't say rape. You can't say pe- You can't say all these things. I'm like, have you listened to guys we fucked? Cause that's the name of the podcast. <laughs> so I'm really sick of that. But that happened a lot in the beginning. Not, not anymore. Thankfully. Yeah. Well now you have much more power and control because you <laughs> yeah. built something. I mean, right. right at the beginning, it's like, you know, if Lifetime comes out at you with like a series offer, you're like, okay, yeah. Oh, can we go on after like the uh, the wife murders her husband uh, TV show that you yeah. show every fucking day? I'm uh, in denial that my husband pushed me down the stairs. <laughs> All right, a promise. Uh, track five. This is the only single released worldwide from this record, and probably the most accessible song on the album. Uh, this is probably, in my opinion, uh, the most British song. I might have ever heard. Just <laughs> lots of wailing. Uh, Peter, hit me with a quick uh, A Promise. You can see that there's like, I know they're contemporaries with U2, I think, mm-hmm. but it's got a very, very U2. Even in his, his presentation of the way he's singing, it sounds like Bono. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, it sounds like it's about being let down by someone after trusting them, or maybe it's about being the one that makes it difficult to keep promises to. Ian broke it down when he said, it's about frustration, really. 
I just thought I'd had certain morals and principles since I was 13 or 14, and I carried them through, but things change. It becomes evident when you realize you've changed that the promise wasn't kept. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G. from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Uh, what has been your biggest disappointment as you've gotten older? That's a Wow, that's a heavy fucking question. Um, my biggest disappointment is, in, in certainly in myself, I think that I, I liked this song a lot. I liked, it was very a little complainy, but I, I really clung. You can, whenever anybody promises that nothing will change, that's just physically, it's impossible. Everything will always change. So you can't, you can't say that. But what this, the lyrics mean to me is like, people are so fucking afraid of change. So my biggest disappointment in life is that I, I've held myself back because I was afraid of change. Um, I'm disappointed that I didn't quit the Adderall earlier yeah. because this is way better. Um, and I'm funnier and I feel more connected to people and life and all this shit. But, um, whenever anybody says nothing's going to change, you, you can't even, you shouldn't even be allowed to say that because yeah. that's never the case. People are so terrified and resistant to change that, uh, that they'll say something as, as outwardly foolish as that, yeah. which I'm guilty of. So I, I, so I understand the notion, but that's why I resonate with the lyrics of this one. So you fought, uh, you used to fight change? Is that oh, what Oh, all the time. But it's, it's so silly because anytime I've ever been scared of something, it's always because change was ahead and it's always been for the better. You can't learn without change. I, was, I, I stayed in a relationship too long because I was afraid of change. Oh, so many. That's, and yeah. my ex pro- told me, he, he threw that back at me and he said, I didn't think anything was going to change with you when you got big or something. I'm like, fuck you. First of all, I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> that's not how life works. Yeah. Uh, things change. Things do. And they have to. That's like, you have to change. It's like the only thing that makes you a more complete person. It, that's what is evolving to to, is. It, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the amount of, 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 of change that I've done in the last two years. I mean, it's just, it's, it's night and day. It's yeah. like when I feel myself going back to that old side, like I, I, I recognize it and then I catch it and then I cut it off. Yeah. That's so, great. So really, really great song, by the way. And by the way, you can totally hear early elements of what would work out way more successfully on their 1983 single, the cutter all over this. Peter, play a little bit of the cutter for me. All right, heaven up here. 
This is the title song from the album, and it was about dealing with the perceived hipness of them by fans and the press that the band thought was bullshit. Uh, Ian contradicted himself when he said, we're an attack against hipness, although I do think we're the hippest band in the world. Um, and you can hear him lampooning the band's swirly psychedelica during the we're all groovy, groovy people part. Uh, my favorite part, though, is the ending uh, when it goes completely haywire. Peter, play minute two, second 44. <laughs> I didn't know that that was it was about people's perception, his fans' perception of him, or what fame is. You said, "Yeah, that's interesting. That, that I can uh, um, relate to on a small scale because I feel like people come up to us a lot and they they like throw things at us of like, well, you probably think this, or you probably." Don't. I'm like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Like people who listen to the podcast and are fans of Corinne and I's, uh kind of throw stuff on us where they're assuming they think they know what it's like. Uh, a lot of Reddit threads about us complaining about quote being like famous or whatever. And I'm like, no, no man. Like it's just not, uh, I think it's famous. So interesting. And I've only have like this tiny little level of it, but it's, uh, I can't imagine being like fucking Tom Hanks. And just or, having, yeah. Having just, everybody know who you are. Yeah. And- but, but it's cool to, it's cool to have people who like your work and dig you, uh, for who you are. Like my work is just who I am. Which is fortunate, I think. But like, Kurt and I get recognized a lot, and it's weird, and it's cool, and it, and it's always by people who are just good people. I've never had a bad experience with that, except once when I was in Times Square. But um, but yeah, it's cool. I like yeah. So I like that. So I, people, I didn't know that that was that. That's what that song was so about. You're, so you're saying people think that you're you treat you think you're more famous than you are. Is that what you're saying? Or they're like, no. what, what are, so how are you different from the image people have of you? I'm not, well, well, honestly, the main thing is I don't eat br- and breathe sex. Like I'm not, I, they only hear us talk about sexuality because the podcast has a theme, but it's, I like doing a lot of other things. We're much more versatile than just fucking. Um, so that's, that's been something that people are like, oh yeah, I guess you don't really, um, all you do is have sex like that's kind of but you are a very sexual person though, yes right? very sexual and yeah. sex is important to me but you gotta preserve it and it has to be like i think the taboos of sex it's kind of nice that they're a little taboo because i don't want like if it was just like everyday joe schmo sex is like involves hitting and slapping i'm like well you can't you, it's like you can't have a cupcake every day you're gonna get sick of cupcakes yeah and get diabetes um so so i think one thing like Corinne and I, we didn't think a shitload of people were going to listen to the podcast, so we just kind of word vomited our, our thoughts and feelings into the microphone, and then we realized, oh, maybe pull back the reins just a little. Like how, not how, everyone has to know everything. How fast did it did it did it take off? We uh, about a month into the podcast being out there in the world, we got our first press piece by. We were interviewed by the Daily Beast, and the title of the article was "The Podcast Too Hot for iTunes" because iTunes wouldn't. They rejected our application beyond the thing, and they wouldn't tell us why. And we tried to reach out to them many, many, many times. That's a good headline. And I think with the name guys we fucked, people hear it no matter what the reaction is. Oh, they're horrors, or oh, that's hilarious, or oh, that sounds interesting. They check it out, and we deliver when you check out the podcast. It's a fucking, it's a good podcast, and um, and so that I think that really 
that was the start. That was the domino thing. So a it's, month in, but mm-hmm. when did it really just? So a month there was in it layer, popped? there was waves. A month in, truly, it popped because once you get the if the name is in front of you, you're going to check it out. Sure. So we've experienced these giant waves of new listeners because people word of mouth to me is the strongest form of advertisement you can ask for because somebody really genuinely loves it. And if multiple people around you are talking about it, you're going to check it out. That's how I check things out. Sure. So, so that every time we would get press about us, we would just get this new wave of audience members uh, and listeners. So yeah, it's been, it's been fun. All right. Uh, Song seven, the disease. Okay. Uh, Remember when I said the other song was the most British song ever? My life's the disease. <laughs> yeah, this song is as British as it gets. Now, this is a really short one, and it sounds like a poem set to music, like something from The Doors, Jim mm. Morrison release, an American Prayer album, uh, but I fucking love this song. Uh, play minute one, second 49, Peter. Oh, you probably love mm. that with what you're dealing with right oh, now. Yeah. That digga, 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 digga. Yeah. And you're just Very fucking... rage. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of System of a Down, a lot of rage, a lot of other... Th- that's the other music I've been listening to this week so, so far. So, so good Something good that I want to recommend. When I was going through the, the real heavy opiate detox post the car accident I was in, um, and I got sober, I think it was on day two... And I started listening to a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm. but like era, like I remember, like it was uh, Under the Bridge, Ooh. and then it was at the new album at the time. It was the oh fuck, I can't remember it. It was the one after John Frusciante left. Um, I guess their newest album. I think it's called I'm Something Something. But dude, sitting in my car listening to Under the Bridge, just like weeping, yeah, weeping. So I I completely understand what you're going for. <laughs> All right, this is sort of a textbook, grandiose, existential, mopey goth stuff. He even uses the word twixt, which is short for betwixt, which is already an affected way of saying between. Now, according to Ian, I wrote the disease as a kind of anthem for the Liverpool suppressed, for those who see their potential in human terms and not in terms of having or not having a job. What chance are you grateful for not wasting? Oh, um, this, I wanted to move to New York city so I could intern for Saturday night live. I knew no one at the show and I was, uh, comfortable in my world at Penn state university. And I was, uh, I mean, I created that own chance for myself, but I was terrified to take it. And, uh, I convinced myself to do it. I like fought myself, like punched myself in the face metaphorically really to go. Yeah. Did you drop out of college? No, I, I, I transferred schools. To, uh, to a Marymount Manhattan in New York oh, City. Okay. But I was like, I just had the thought popped into my head one day. goes, you want to be on SNL? Intern for them. And then but one of the parts of me were like, yeah, you have to do that. And I just, every other part of me fought that part. And uh, and I figured out a plan to do it. And then I was like, there's your opening. Well, Philly is Fucking do it. But Philly's not that far away from New York. It's not like it's that big of a move. I mean, it's a big move. But I've it's never not- lived in a city. I lived in the Philadelphia suburbs, Doylestown, cozy ass. Oh, you're suburb. from Doylestown? Yeah. Why don't you have the Philly accent? Why aren't you because like? Because I went to school for acting and I ta- got taught standard stage. Oh, dialect. you mean Echo and the Bunnyman? <laughs> yeah, I love hey, it. Go get a hoagie. Go get a hoagie. hoagie. Let's go. But dude, get, put get on the, the new. Put on the new Echo and the Bunnyman. I love no, Echo. I, I love the Philly accent, but I don't have it. Um, but okay, oh, yeah, that is a Doylestown and a fucking half. Uh, yeah, so I'm glad I did that. 
I just fucking saw the opening and I took it and I took the chance and I fucking one of the best moves of my life. Yeah, but you time you, current. You had to get fucking out of Doylestown. But I, I didn't mean, want to. I was comfortable. I was at Penn State. How old were you? Uh, I was eighteen. Eighteen years old. Yeah. Still never baby. lived in a city. Sheltered by a mother who's overbearing. So were they? So were they supportive at no. all? No. Well, well, outwardly yes, but my mom was so terrified that she like went into a deep dark depression over it. But that's like that's just that's just regular mom at this point. Right? At this You're point, just like, yes, but I'm, mom. You, you know. Yeah, she's but like, I was I never got good at dealing with it. She's crying hysterically. Like, mom, it's, it's if I had Adderall all the time, I would have been able to <laughs> yeah. to deal with it, but I didn't. So I I wasn't able to not be affected by her. No, I get it. All right, all my colors, uh, also known as Zimbo, uh, very powerful song. Uh, I, I really think that the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs borrowed the opening of this uh, for their song Maps. Mm. So, uh, Peter, play the intro to Maps. Now, Peter, play the intro uh, to All My Colors. Can you hear it? Yeah, this song got me. This song got you? Yeah. Just what? the musicality of it, the music of it. Very right. haunting, very eerie. It's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Uh, it's And also, it's the mantra that Zimbo over mm. and over again... Um, they're using it just just like it like it is a mantra. Uh, but don't give them too much spiritual cred for using one because Ian basically said that during rehearsals for this, he was softly singing Jimbo, 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 which is a very tongue-in-cheek tongue because he was crooning like Jim Morrison. When everyone loved it, he obscured it to Zimbo. Uh, and he said, Zimbo is about the loss of someone and the fact that people ha- hold on to things that have already gone. He also called it our first soul song. The first song where we proved we could connect emotionally. So you did you connect emotionally? Oh yeah, to this song. Yeah, with through the music. Yes, yeah, the mu, the yeah, everything about the song, uh, the, the, every choice that they made hit a nerve. <laughs> no, I feel you. Um, so have you dealt with a lot of loss? Like, what's what's been your most profound loss? No, I haven't. I've not dealt with death very much at all. Really? Grandparents died uh, either when I was too young or they'd been sick for so long that the death was, thank God. Never had a sudden death in my family um, or in my friend's circle. Uh, A couple people that I kind of knew from high school. um, People from comedy, but none that I I was close to. Um, So I think the... The worst loss that I had was my loss of my innocence when my boobs grew in. And I do mean that. <laughs> but wouldn't that be like a proud day? Like that would be like. I didn't want it. No, I didn't want to grow up. You didn't want titties? I didn't want double D's. I didn't want to be treated like a woman by grown men when I was 12. That's. Fuck, yeah. dude. Yeah. Not fun. You have Not back fun. problems? No, I, I have shoulder and neck problems, but I think that's just because trauma. <laughs> no, just I, emotional. No, I get it. That's that's definitely a profound loss. Yeah, especially. I didn't want to be treated like a woman at all. Yeah. I wanted to wait way longer than my body was like, no, fuck you, bye. <laughs> but how do you how do you handle it now? I mean, now. I wear baggy clothes. Well, I wear baggy clothes. That's how I handled it most of the time. And then finally, I don't care. Now I'm ready to feel like a woman, be treated like a woman. Now at 31, I am. 
Man, I feel like a woman. All right, no dark things. Uh, I love the guitars in this song so much. Uh, just jagged strokes. And this is almost like an anti-goth mission statement. It's like wearing black <laughs> while smiling. And I do love this. Just great song, man. Um, no dark things. This the, the shouting of that is incredible. Hold on. Peter, play a little bit of the song for me. Do you have any thoughts? I, I liked the title of the song because uh, I, I looked at all the titles of the song before I listened to the album. And I was like, oh, I love that song because I hate dark things. <laughs> but by the time I got to that one, I'm like, yeah, I think resistance to change is really like an underlying theme of the album. But uh, yeah. Well, it's about, but it's actually with even with a title like that, I mean, it's a very positive song. Mm -hmm. So how do you stay positive in a world that's so fucked up? Well, we used to be Adderall. Now I got to rely on my okay. fucking self. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so I've always been positive. Always. I've always, because the thing is you can choose to be either one and I choose positive because that feels better. Yeah. I yeah. don't, I don't like being negative and bitter. Oh, I completely agree feels with that. Feels gross. I, I, I used to be negative for years and yeah. now it's like, you know, like I said, go to the dark side and come back a lot quicker. But mm -hmm. it's, uh, I started like writing out the way I want things to go. And it's just like, it's just all the positive shit that I want to happen. And it's like, even if half that stuff happens, it's like, no, I mean, this is, I made this happen by just staying in a positive frame of mind. Yeah. And it's another, powerful. And then another thing to do is when I do start going dark, I free write where I just write all the, 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 the negative shit that I feel about myself yeah. or a situation and you just get it out. And mm -hmm. then it's like, all right, good. I've, I've purged myself of it. Yep. You know, now I can go to In-N-Out Burger. You know what Thank I mean? Thank God. All right. Turquoise Days. Now, it starts pretty sparsely and reminds me of some of the more experimental talking head stuff that was coming out around the same time. And Ian said that talking heads were inspiring to them, which makes sense because mm. the build in this song is so powerful to just drop out and start over. I mean, I just love it. And at first I thought this was about keeping positive during an existential panic attack. But it really sounds like a story about a soldier or Marine going off to battle. Mm. Um, Ian said, it's about the human race today. It's people not understanding everything they do and all the motives for doing things. They think it's for things they love, glory, war, and all of that, but it's not. It's about something else, which I haven't figured out yet. <laughs> What's your motivation to do what you do? To feel good, to feel joy, and to feel... Uh now it's kind of evolved to uh, ma making other people or causing other people to realize their potential or uh, with guys we fucked. I think the the effect of it has been really profound for a lot of people. And it's fucking cool to hear about that because, you know, you can change a situation that you're in through something as simple as being honest with yourself and with the people around you. That And it makes me so happy that that's all it really takes to incite a positive change in your life. So, uh, so yeah, that the, the audience and the fans listeners keep me going, but also I just want to make something that I'm proud of. That's always what drives me to do anything. And like, it's like a, it's like a puzzle that you get to solve each project. And, um, and you, the clue to where, what pieces go where is based, it's in your gut. All right, the, the album ends with All I Want. Now, this is the final song on the record and very tame for the rest of the record. It wasn't a bad song. I was just expecting more for the finale after what we had been through in this emotional roller coaster. 
Uh, I would have liked to have a more powerful ending. Uh, maybe not sonically powerful, but lyrically, it ends on a positive note when he says, all I want is love. Uh, Peter, play minute two, second 49. I like this is the last song a lot. Really? I loved it because I didn't want to be exhausted emotionally anymore. I was tired of that. Like I was, I was, I was tired <laughs> by the end of the album because I kind of like. The, the, a lot of these songs put me through it that I'm glad he ended on that note. Yeah. I'm, okay, well, that's a good perspective on it. Maybe I'm changing my opinion. You're right. <laughs> it was, see, I see, to see the smile you just gave me. You're like, it was really good. Like, All I want is love. By the way, love. do you have any Adderall? <laughs> uh, Ian said that this began as an ad lib and then he built upon that. Um, I love how he says, All is love is all I love. It's like, it's this Liverpool, like saucier accent thing. Mm. Um, what would be enough for you? Oh my God. What would be enough? Love. Truly being in love would be enough for me. Have you been in love? Oh yeah. I love love. I've been in love many times and it's many? been amazing. Yeah. Were you surprised? Well, I'm still trying to figure out what actual love is. I oh, mean, okay. I've had, I've dated girls that I've, I've thought I've loved them, mm -hmm. and and then it's just like there's, like the connection that you have is it's it's just like I never had that. Well, I'm just at that a connection. Yeah. You know? Oh, I've had, I have, and it's powerful and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Uh, but I also have this new thing of um, not being afraid to say I love you. Um, that one guy I, I talked about briefly throughout this interview, uh, this guy that we were dating and now we're just really, really close friends, but we said, I love you to each other, maybe a month in. And we were not, it, it wasn't very clear where the relationship was going at all, but I really felt that. And he really felt it. And when he said it and I'm like, man, you're not even scared what I'm going to think. You just want to say it. Like saying, I love you without, um, being married to what they say back is such a freeing thing. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the Stratos. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. Yeah. And I wish more people were comfortable saying I love you and not being scared of what do they think this is going to be? Fucking who cares if you love a person? Tell them you love them. It doesn't matter what they say back because you're, you're claiming that you love them. That's what this is about. It's not about what they feel back for you. So that indicates are you just saying it to get a response? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think in this day and age, though, like people are, are you know, being more liberal with their I love yous? You know, but I do. But I think it's because maybe that's how you really feel. Because I love people, I love people so much, uh, and and I feel it right away. And why not say it? Who cares if what they say? I love you, Josh. I love you too. Thanks. That's so sweet. Do you, want, do you want to do some facts? Yeah. All right. Want some facts? Facts, facts, facts. Uh, this is a hard album to sing the songs like my little shit that I do because there's no there's no melodies. It's, I mean, there's melodies, but there's no like chorus. I need one fucking chorus. There's no chorus. All right. The cover of the album photographed by Brian Griffin of the band silhouetted on a beach in Wales with a flock of seagulls all around them was achieved by pouring out buckets of fish guts. 
What's the craziest thing you've ever done professionally? <laughs> Interviewed my boyfriend at the time's porn star ex-girlfriend. Really? After being so terrifyingly insecure about it to the point where I had like two sex injuries because I was trying to pretend you were that trying I, to keep up with a porn star. Exactly. In my head. It was, this is all in my head. Some of the things he did perpetuate 100%, but... Uh, I think it's... Wait, I just want to stop that for a second. Like, for the female porn stars, it's just big noise. Like, they don't do anything crazy. The guy is the guy... If, if you were... If if he was, like, the male porn star... Like, like, if I'm a male porn star and I gotta fuck, you know... it's You know what I mean? There's more work for the guy. Right, That's but what I'm trying to say. she's Stoya, who's a well-known person. Yeah. And, and who's wonderful in sex. The thing is, I my thing... My at the time that I met him, um, he was was not over her and tried to get over her to me, which I so I heard things that he missed about her that I should not have heard. So that fucked up. The, that made the insecurity go full speed, and um, and I wasn't advocating for myself like I am. As what do you mean? Like he was like he would be. Oh, like, he one would of the things like, he said man, was, you don't you know, Australia kind of no. made incredible like yeah. pasta marinara. No, no. Uh, when sometimes when we were out in public, she would take my hand and put it up her skirt to let me know how wet I made her. I don't want to fucking know that. Why would he tell you that? Because he's a he, he's a piece of shit. That's a yeah, shitty thing to do. It was shitty, but at the time I was I it, I fell for the bait of like oh I got insecure about it and um and I, especially then I wasn't very sexy. I was more goofy, and I like couldn't figure out how to be sexy because I didn't discover that part about myself at that time, and so that was a big insecurity anyway. And then coming to the table with this situation, and then him kind of twisting the knife, and then me feeling all in my head about it. Uh, one of the most nervous I've ever been in my life was waiting for her outside the studio. Just just sitting there waiting, like smoking making, a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, because you were just so. I don't. I thought that. I was going to implode. She's amazing. She's lovely. I'm so glad we interviewed her. But it was very weird. It was very odd, and I didn't know all the things that play at the time. Where my ex kind of pushed me to feel more insecure because of the things he told me. I didn't know that at the time. Looking back, I'm like, oh, I see. I see, see where the domino did. trail led. But uh, I didn't know that then. Everybody go listen to the Stoya interview. Listen to it. Because I'm about to. <laughs> it's, wanna, it's a great I'll, episode. I, I can't wait to listen to it. It's called The Stoya Episode. All right. In his 1999 book, <laughs> From the Shores of Lake Placid and Other Stories, the band's manager, Bill Drummond, said, Heaven up here. The album is dull as ditch water. The songs are unformed. They sound uniformly gray. So... This is a wow. shitty review. Uh, what's the worst review that you ever got? Racist. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was just press that we got. <laughs> um, uh, worst review? I don't read reviews. Um, I guess we've gotten reviews on the podcast before, but they always make me laugh. No, re- bad reviews never affect me um, because they're either coming from a place of honesty or they're coming from personal a personal place on that person's part that's kind of funny. Like sometimes we project shit onto other people and in the moment we don't know we're projecting, but like when somebody looks on and they know you're projecting, it's kind of, it's kind of cute. (laughs) Like I just think it's funny. I think human beings are funny that way. So, so anything negative that's getting said to us, uh, I kind of, I really do take with like a comical grain of salt. Oh, you have to. Because I don't give a fuck what you have to say, but it's cute that you think I do. And, uh, and if I hate someone's art, it's not about that person. It's never about that person. It's about me. You can't read reviews of the work that you do. I was like, I can read, bitch. I know you can read, but you can't read the review. You can't spell for shit. Nope. But you can't like, 
when I had my first set from from Comedy Central posted online, it was one from the Comedy Jam. Uh, they posted it on YouTube, and one of the comments, the first one was, "This guy's trash." <laughs> I mean, it was that's it, hilarious. It, it, it is, and I laugh about it. And I remember me and Avery and Jeremiah and Sickler. That's like we talk about it all the time. But it's just like, you know. Luckily, everybody underneath was like, no, this guy's good. Like, this yeah. is good, blah, blah, blah. But it's like all I can remember. I can't remember any of the positive ones. Oh, right. I can only remember the trash ones. Yeah, one time when we did Rogan, that was a huge deal for us. Obviously, anybody who does Rogan's a big deal. Uh, somebody said in the comments that I sounded like I was hopped up on Adderall, and that, that hurt and my heart. Right. <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. That one is the one I remember because there was truth in, to it. Yeah. But other ones is like, you fucking dumb whore. You should. We've we've gotten told we should be raped and or murdered, then raped. Which is it rape after you're murdered? I don't know. Um, but like that shit, I'm like, oh God. You fucking you're a loser. You're if you're commenting on a YouTube video, ugh, the odds of you not being a loser are high or, or, or low. But um I, cause I don't comment on YouTube videos. I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else. But um really the only times few times I comment is I'll make a Yelp account to make a positive review because I feel like people don't do that as much. And when I really like a place, I think it deserves credit. Dude, I'm all about the positive reviews. Yeah. I, I've never done a complaint about anything. Yeah. Um, I just want to go back to you said the thing that they knew that you were on uh, Adderall. Yeah. Because uh, I actually, when that trip where when we first like hung out, we were in uh, Philadelphia and then we went to New York. Uh, we did the show at the Gramercy, and the next day, Burr was headlining Madison Square Garden, and I was loaded on oxys. And I remember I was meeting Paul Verzi's like wife and some of his friends from uh, New York. And this guy's like, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Frank. Nice to see you." And he's meeting this guy, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Frank." And then he sees me, and he looks at me, and he goes, and he pulls me in, and he goes, "Dude, are you on oxys?" I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking? No. And he's like, he's like, dude, your eyes are the size of your pupils are the size of pinholes. I mean, and I was like, oh, no, it's just uh, I mean, I took a Xanax and, and he just like the rest Fuck, of the night, man, he's like, all right, whatever, man. And he just keeps walking. But it's just like he knew immediately. And you probably remember where you were, how it felt, oh, what I, you were wearing. I mean, it, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's I mean, I'm telling it here. It's like yeah. it's stuck with me. Yep. And I mean, I didn't want. Like, first of all, how the fuck nobody knew I was doing painkillers on that trip? You guys are fucking just blank. <laughs> no, well, Corinne didn't know that I had a problem. And I'm with her all the time. Yeah. Uh, we can hide it. Addicts can hide it. If I want to hide something, I'll hide it. Yeah. That's no, why you're... That's why the first thing I did when I came out, I was like, I told everybody I knew. So I'd be held accountable. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Ian McCullough quit the band in 1988 and drummer Pete DeFridis, God, I love that name, was <laughs> tragically killed in a motorcycle accident oh. in 1989. Rest in peace, Pete DeFridis. Will Sargent and Les Pattinson replaced them and put out an album, Reverberation, in 1990, but it wasn't very successful, and the band officially broke up in 1993. Will and Ian worked on other projects alone, and then together as Electra Fiction? That's a weird one. And everyone was treating it like a reunion anyway. They just got former bassist Les Pattinson back and reformed to put out the successful album Evergreen. Um, are you the kind of person that cuts everything off after a breakup or can you remain friends and maybe even reconcile? Uh, this last one, I cu- I'm going to cut everything off. I let I, I have this I had this pattern of letting people into my life that didn't have any place in, in my life. But I was like, no, I'll help them. Um, and then once you cut it off, you realize that you were helping them and you get mad at yourself. So it's just a clean cut. Nope. I'm good. Uh, I've had two friend breakups in my life. Never talked to them since. 
because once I get to that, once I get to that point with a friend, we're done. You, you have fucked me so hard that we're done. Um, with breakups, I wish I could stay friends with exes. Um, this last one, no. Um, but the one before that, no, the two before that, um, we, we remained friends and then his girlfriend at the time didn't want him to talk to me and then we rekindled again. So only one. Yeah, you almost wish that, like, you could still kind of, like, call each other and just talk baby talk. Sometimes, <laughs> just yeah. Bit. Just a comforting because it's a, clo- a relationship that's the closest you're ever going to be to another human being. And yeah. then to all go, all of a sudden to go from that to you're dead, basically. I mean, that's ter- That's horrible. That's that's drastic. That's Completely. Fucked. All right, before we <laughs> go into final thoughts, I'm just going to uh, say this. that Morty put this as a little special thing to read. In the sleeve notes to their greatest hits, their manager, Bill Drummond, summed up their career as lies, deceit, hatred, hotel floors, cocaine dealers, transit vans, acid trips, broken amplifiers, American girls, service stations, loss of innocence, corrupt road crews, missed opportunities, vanity, broken promises, shit gigs, bad sex, crap mixes, Late VAT returns, petulance, incompetence, petty rivalry, and Pete DeFridis dying. Bummer. That's a pretty heavy career. What are your final thoughts on this record? Jesus. Now I'm in a depression coma again. I don't want to listen to it again. Um, I love it. I My final thoughts on this record are that I've, I never would have listened to this record had you not and I'm so glad I did. And I'm going to be listening to it a lot. I feel like this is something I can listen to in the background or it's something I can listen to in like a focused state. Um, and I will get different things out of it depending on the mood I'm at when I press play. All right. So and the, I really like that. So what? So basically, ladies and gentlemen, this is the perfect album to listen to while you're slowly weaning yourself off from Adderall. Of meth, yeah. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, I was actually talking to Adam Egan and he said this band – was supposed to be bigger than you two. Wow. Yeah. Shit. So they didn't, but I think that uh, they were good enough uh, to be on this list, and I definitely feel like it deserves to be on there. Uh, Christina, thank you so much Thanks, uh, for coming on. I think you were supposed to do this episode. You yeah. were supposed to find this record, and I'm glad I could be the person to bring that to you. Me too. For all things Christina, go to ChristinaHutchinson.com. That's where you'll find all of her tour dates, and she's on tour, so make sure you go see her. At Christina Hutch on all social media. So it's Christina Hutch, not the Ensign. So Christina Hutch on all social media, and make sure you guys listen to Guys We Fucked on Luminary. I'll be posting her mixtape track listing link. And if you want to find that and everybody's mixtapes, go to the website for all things 500, the500podcast.com. Email us at 500podcast at gmail.com. And follow me, guys. I want followers. Hook me up. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Big show's coming up July 25th. We're doing the live 500, like I said, at Just for Laughs Montreal at 5.30 p.m. in the Ovation Room. And on August 20th, the goddamn Comedy Jam's five-year anniversary at the Roxy, which actually 
is this week, but we didn't do a show this month because I'm busy, so it's going to be next month. So happy birthday to the goddamn Comedy Jam. You'll see Jim Jeffries, Big J, Okerson, and Brad Williams, amongst many others. It's going to be a party. Come to the Roxy on August 20th. All tickets you can find on my Instagram page, on the goddamn Comedy Jam's Instagram page. They're all there. And go to my website, joshadammyers.com. I haven't, I got to update it. I don't know why I keep saying this. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and leave a review, guys. Leave a review if you're on Apple iTunes. Follow my boy Morty at DJ Morty Coil and check out the page of him and his daughter singing songs at B and Daddy Cartoons. Now, we just listened to Echo and the Bunnymen from 1981. Well, guess what, baby, baby? There's a new band that's in town that was directly influenced by this album. From Orange County, California, we have Cosmonauts with their song Medio Litro. I really like this song, and I think you guys are going to like it too. If you're in a band and you want your music played at the end of the 500, send it to us. Tell us the album that influenced you and send it to the email 500podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Two weeks, we'll be back. July 31st, we have R.E.M. with their 1987 album, Document. So y'all got some homework to do. I will see you in two weeks. Big, big news. July 31st. Stay motherfucking fleecy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little, little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics... Um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot and listen to Axe Grind Podcast.
Next Chapter Podcasts.